but I came into transition and actually my, my quad had locked up even before I got to the line. My wife's got a video where my leg is just dangling off the side of my bike and I'm shaking it like, you know, praying that it comes back to life before I have to step onto the ground. Hi, Coach Mike Ritchie here for the D3 Podcast. And on this episode, we have Matt Samazic. Matt is a doctor. He's got a young family, lives in Colorado Springs, uh, works a really tenacious schedule. I think you'll enjoy this, inter- enjoy this interview. He is um, now a sub-10 Ironman athlete from Ironman Florida, going 943. Uh, Matt had a 117 swim, a 458 bike, and a 317 run. Um, ran into some issues with cramping, and he was able to navigate it. Uh, it's a good listen. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. I hope you give it a follow, and thanks for listening. Hi, Coach Mike here again for the D3 Multisport Podcast with Matt Smazek. And Matt just had an amazing race at Ironman Florida, crushed his uh, previous PR, and we've got him on. And uh, thanks for coming on with us today, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Uh, before we get into Ironman Florida, just give me a little bit, you know, what was your background before triathlon and, you know, obviously endurance sports and uh, obviously you're athletic. You've had a big, big jump in, uh, you know, your your times, but uh, there's got to be some athleticism in the background there. Yeah, so initially my introduction to, I guess, endurance sports was kind of high school cross country. And I actually joined that initially to get in shape for hockey season. Um, so that transition to no longer playing hockey and then running through the winter. Um, and then that carried me forward until college where I ran at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. And that was both cross country, indoor and outdoor track, doing all distance events. So 3K, 5K indoors, and then 5K, 10K outdoors. Um, one of my teammates was an incredible athlete, all American in high school um school record holder in college and he actually jumped made the jump to triathlon post collegiately and actually got his pro card pretty pretty quickly wow so he that was my kind of first introduction into triathlon but never thought about like pursuing it myself other than having the dream of you know being an ironman and going to kona but never actually pursuing it at that time um so post collegiately transitioned to more longer distance stuff. So half marathon, marathon, ran Boston a couple of times, Philadelphia a couple of times, and then went to medical school where I continued to run. That was like my outlet for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through, through med school um, in residency, things are just crazy busy. So the true training really was on the back burner, but it was my passion to just get out there and and hammer some miles every once in a while. Um, But then fast forward to moving to Colorado in 2019, August of 2019, just my work schedule um, allowed me to do more. And so one of my former teammates had done Ironman Wisconsin. And I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And I'm probably going to do it faster. So then that kind of launched me into triathlon where I started with a purchasing a plan from D3 and just doing it by myself, um, which was incredibly challenging and eye-opening since I had never done swimming before um, outside of, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to swim when I was younger, but never did swim team. So that was the biggest, biggest challenge. And um, here we are th- several years later um, making some improvements and 
yeah, working, working on everything. That's awesome. Do you still get to skate at all? Um, I do actually. Yeah. I, <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving, that's where I got, that's where I got oh. this. Uh, I took a puck to the face the other day um, and needed a bunch of stitches. So um, I'm getting still trying to get out there. It'd be nice to get actually uh, into men's league again, but right now nice. it's just mostly nice. skating with the, with the boys. Oh, that's fun though. That's fun. That's fun. I, I definitely have coached, uh, you know, doctors and people going through med school and I understand the crazy schedule. I had, I actually had one woman uh, that I coached that actually did an Ironman when she was in med school, which I thought oh, wow. was insane, but she, she did yeah, it. I don't know how people do it. Pull it off. I, don't know how she, I don't know how she did it. Right. <laughs> so, um, but well, that's awesome. I mean, that's a great, that's a great, uh, great story. And obviously, uh, you know, hockey is uh, the absolute opposite of triathlon and endurance sports, right? Because hockey yeah. is two minute shifts at the longest probably. And it is yep. all out of VO2 for 30 seconds and then rest and then do it again. But obviously you probably have a high VO2. And, uh, you know, I, I always say get a guy with a high VO2 and you can turn him into an endurance athlete. That's easy. So yeah, the other that was, yeah. And that was the one thing I did notice when I, in between college and med school, I was playing, um, went back and started playing a bunch of men's league hockey. And that was like the most fit I had ever been. Cause I was running, still running a ton during the day. Um, and then at night I would go play, play men's league. So it was just like air, total aerobic during the day. And then, like you said, just interval work overnight. And so right. I would never been fitter or felt like I could run right. through a brick wall back then. So it'd be nice. Um, that's awesome. So let me take me through. So I know you did St. George, right? And that was the one that was mm -hmm. super hot. That was the Ironman world championship that you had signed up yep. for and you were ready to go out there and just go out there. And I had some good athletes really melt in that heat. I know you did pretty well out there. So sounds like you had a good strategy on uh, staying hydrated and, 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 you know, you know, those lessons that you learn in races like that, I mean, you always take that stuff forward. Right. And then you build on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's with, I was going to say, that's kind of with everything so far. I feel like every race that I've done in triathlon, I, I'm always learning something new, like, Oh, that, that didn't quite work or I need to do like more fuel here at this particular time. Or when I start to feel this, it's probably this that's going sideways. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the hardest thing about this sport is like trying to get all the stars aligned at the same time um, and, and think, you know what you're doing. Um, but a lot of things are out of your control, but with Florida, um, the conditions were excellent. So we, we flew in a couple days before, I think it was on, on Wednesday. Um, and the weather was, was great. Uh, mm -hmm. I've never done any open ocean swimming. So that was my only kind of nervousness going into it. Um, I think building up to Florida, I'd put in a ton of work and had a prolonged taper that was kind of unplanned just due to crazy work schedule. So I'd done a bunch of you know, five hour rides actually had done, um, Ironman ride on the Arizona course virtually on full gas. So I felt really good. I knew I could probably go under five, but it was just the anxiety of the open ocean that was giving yeah. me a little, a little bit of a pause. But anyway, we flew in a couple of days before weather was great and it only continued to get better. Like the water was mm -hmm. a little, as far as I could tell was had a little bit of swell to it, but nothing dramatic. And then by the time the race rolled around on Saturday, it was quite, quite calm and pretty ideal as far as I could tell. Um, but race morning, yeah, it was nice and cool. Um, not terribly, terribly windy. Water was pretty flat. And I'm not, 
a strong swimmer by by any means. It's obviously the the weakest link for me. Um, so I was trying to go right around one like one fifteen to one eighteen ish, kind of a which would have been much slower or sorry faster than my St George time, which was one twenty four. Um, and my time goal was to break ten. That was the whole goal of going to Florida was to break ten and maybe to squeak out a Kona spot um, if possible. But with mm-hmm. it having a pro field this year, the field got incredibly deep and the age groups were just so competitive. But um, yeah, went out in the in the swim and felt felt pretty good. Um, the pier, there wasn't too much chop around the pier when you got a little bit out in the open ocean. It was mm-hmm. a little bit more noticeable, especially swimming horizontal um, to shore. And I guess talking to a lot of people, just the way the current runs through the Gulf um that's the way that you're just swimming into a current most likely and so making the turn to home there was thousands and thousands of jellyfish um, which fortunately were very small very benign i did take a stinger between the fingers which was i maybe i imagined but I, i felt something and um was able to come through the first lap in the fastest like 1.2 mile swim that I'd ever done. So I knew, I knew it was on pace to have a good day. If I set a PR in the first lap, um, things slowed down a little bit on the second. Um, and certainly running, doing that, uh, Aussie exit was a little, um, little challenging. I I had practiced it the day before, but I didn't expect my heart rate to spike the way that it did. Um, and so that I actually had to take it easy those last you know 30 yards getting back into the water to reel myself in because I was just kind of redlined there for a little bit but uh came through the second lap a little slower and I think exited the water with a 117 so I knew I was on at least my time anticipated time pace to still break 10 I figured if I could get through both transitions and the swim in under 90 minutes then I was probably most likely going to be sub 10 that's Um, a good goal but um, transition was long. Um, it's a long run. It's like a half mile run. It's yeah, a long it was, it was quite long, up and over the road, through the little shopping yeah. center. Um, but bypassed the the wetsuit strippers. And I wasn't, again, coming out of the salt water, I was also like, oh, man, am I going to have, like, chafing issues with as this dries? Am I going to get all crusty? Like, what's going to happen? So I didn't really know if I should spend time in the rinse-off station or or what. Um, but my only goal was sub 10. So I was just like making a beeline for every, every turn. Um, so came through transition pretty well. And the first, let's see, I think 30 miles or so there, it was kind of a little bit of a headwind. Um, there's some positive elevation gain. Um, and I felt pretty, actually pretty good. My power was already averaging what my goal power was which was um i think two 205 watts was the plan um on average for the whole day normalized power was 205 um but i was already holding that like right out of the gate and i was like oh this feels pretty good i need to probably back this off like i I don't want to blow up too too soon um because ideally we were going to try to negative split it um, with ch- just small changes in power, I think it was going to be 190 to 195 the first half, and then 200 mm-hmm. to 205 the second half. And I was already pushing kind of the top end um, right. from the beginning. 
But you know, so, you get in the water, you're excited. You got a lot of adrenaline. I mean, it's it's hard to hold it back. And then yes. if a group goes by you or somebody goes by you that's maybe bigger, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, that guy shouldn't be beat. You know, you kind of go right. through all these things in your head, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's, it's just a lot of things that happen um, just because of the adrenaline and the fact that you're, you know, you're you're a, a competitive person, right? I mean, that's yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. And, th- and that's the thing. Like, I'm always coming out of the water behind. And typically, I'm just motoring past people the rest of the mm-hmm. race so this was i knew it was going to be no different um so it was just a game yeah playing catch up and fortunately there was another gentleman out there um his last name was streetman uh but he he was him and i like crossed paths the entire race um and it was nice to have him there because i could actually it was just a familiar face and i was like all right mm-hmm. this guy's doing the same thing that i'm doing like if we just keep leapfrogging each other and going back and forth, then I'm probably going to be on pace. And he clearly was an experienced Ironman. Um, So, but the first half of the race was actually quite hard. And by the time I got to the personal need station, which was actually threw me off because they said it was going to be at mile 53 and it was like several miles earlier. So I still had a bunch of fluid and I was like, oh my God, the aid station's right there. I got to finish all this and exchange everything. So I came came to a stop, just pounded my the rest of my bottle, exchanged everything, and and kept going. But I was in a bad headspace though by that point. I don't know really why. My legs didn't feel as fresh as I thought they were going to, even at the halfway mark. And so then it just became a mental a mental game for me. I was like, okay, I just need to get from like I know if I go from this turn to this turn, like I rode this yesterday, like, let's just get through this. And I know it's going to be a little bit of an elevation gain going out on that out and back, but then I'm going to have this tailwind. And so I just kept thinking, like, just get to the tail, just get to the turnaround. Let's see if what this tailwind does. Um, Cause I was a couple minutes behind pace at the halfway point. But when I got out to that turnaround at mile 65 or 70 or so, mm-hmm. um, things dramatically changed and you you know I started seeing the pros on the other side and so that was exciting and they gave me a little bit of motivation to to keep pressing on and by the time yeah I hit the turnaround we had a nice kind of cross tailwind and the the speeds and the effort needed to put out like 28 29 miles an hour um, was much easier so gained a lot of time coming back um, and coming down that final stretch um along kind of parallel to to the gulf was was interesting because you actually had to go off road briefly and they had laid down like a carpet over the gravel and then you got on a bike path had to go under the underpass and then back up and over so it was like you almost needed you actually needed a gravel bike or something with a little bit of suspension and it was like made me really nervous that you know the bike's gonna rattle apart with 10 miles to go yeah um but then they had talked about the the winds being really swirly by on that last stretch, um, which was very true. I mean, you had a lot of kind of crosswinds at times, tailwinds at times. And so that last final 10 miles was um, fast, but uh, kind of a little bit challenging kind of sitting sitting in arrow. Um, and by that time, my shoulders and neck were just destroyed. Um, but I knew getting getting to T2 um, under, under five hours, uh, was, was well within reach and the run was my strong suit. So I knew once I got my shoes on, 
it was just kind of like not blowing up um, was going to be important. Um, but I came into transition and actually my, my quad had locked up even before I got to the line. My wife's got a video where my leg is just dangling off the side of my bike and I'm shaking it like, you know, praying that it comes back to life before I have to step <laughs> onto the ground. Um, but it seems to, that seems to be a recurrent problem for me. I don't know. We haven't figured out whether it's a bike fit, an electrolyte problem. We, we're not really sure, but I keep having these quad problems that really end up biting me on the run a little bit. Um, but came through T2 pretty quick. Um, it was nice having the the bike catchers there and not having to rack your bike. So that saved a lot of time and made things much more efficient. Um, but got out of T2 without having my quads lock up and grabbed my nutrition and headed out on the run. And like most people, it feels like you're running through through mud. And then when you check your watch, you're like, oh, I'm running way ahead of pace. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and in St. George, I had run 331. And that was with, I think that course had like a thousand feet of elevation gain or yeah. something like that. So I knew in Florida, if I could on the flat surface, probably was going to have a pretty good pretty good time. So I came off, came through the transition, got a little bit of a rally cry from the boys and, and everybody. So I was like super motivated to, to get out there. Um, and quickly realized things could either fall apart or I was going to have a good day. Um, and that's what made me, I was just riding this knife's edge of severe muscle failure. <laughs> um, I, I came through the first couple of splits, like 707, 715, 710, like pretty low. And the overall, I think we had planned on averaging maybe, um, I think right around 725, 730-ish, I think was, was what we had initially planned, Brad and I. And I was well ahead of pace. Um, and then I ended up having I got to that six mile mark, which felt incredibly long to me. Like, I don't know. It was like a mentally, I just couldn't wait to get to the turnaround. And then it hit me like, I got to go back and back again and then back yeah. again. And, and that, that, that turnaround is like, way out there, right? And there's not a lot of people out there unless yeah, you're on your bikes it, it or something. Seemed, it's lonely. Yeah, it seemed very yeah. far. And I, in my head, I had a much different like mental representation of the map. And I was like, what I'm running right now is not what I remember. And maybe I'm just misremembering, but this sucks. Um, yeah. But I, I ended up having some really good splits. Um, I think I came through the halfway mark. Um, what I think on pace to run like 309 um, was my half split. And I knew, and so because of that, my strategy was since I was running so much faster than my anticipated splits, I was like, I have to walk every aid station to balance it out. I was like, if I just walk 15 seconds, get, make sure I'm fueling appropriately, hydrating appropriately, that'll balance out these splits. And let's just see how long I can do this for. And I was able to do it pretty much the entire time. It was somewhere around, I think maybe, Fifteen or sixteen miles, I did have more noticeable cramping and had to stop. And then on the way back, I think maybe with 
five miles to go, I had another really, really severe episode of cramping and had to and had to stop. And looking, going back and looking at the data, I think it was a total of like maybe three minutes where I was completely stopped at, to some degree. Right. But um, once I made that final turnaround to run that last 10K, I knew I was going to have a have a good day. Um, and so I ended up coming in at 943, well under 10 hours. Um, yeah, nice and so that puts me i don't know what the run was now it was like a three uh, i pulled it up i think it was like 317 is that right yeah yeah 317 yeah, so 317. yeah so a pretty pretty good run um despite having a lot of muscular problems and and actual no forward progress for three minutes um so i think there's still some some gains that can be had on the run which is cool um Let's because go ahead and for sure yeah and do you, then do you, same with the uh, swim. Did you have a plan on how many electrolytes an hour, like how many how many milligrams of sodium? Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I had been doing a lot of nutritional experimentation over the last mm -hmm. year. So I, when I first started triathlon, I was only taking like I was actually nervous to take nutrition, believe it or not. Um, and I was only taking like fifty or sixty grams an hour. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, let's just see what. 70 80 is like and so then mm -hmm. i did that and I, I started having like much better workouts and i was like oh well this is this is what everyone says should happen <laughs> um, yeah. so i ended up working my way up to 90 grams an hour and then i did that ride that i mentioned earlier i rode the ironman arizona course on full gas and pushed it to like 110 grams an hour just 110 um, grams of carbohydrate an hour yeah Wow. And I got off the bike and threw up within minutes after doing that. And so I was like, right, one ten's too much. Ninety ninety I can do. I can probably do a hundred, yep. but not for the entire the entirety of it. So right. I knew ninety to a hundred was my sweet spot. And like I'd mentioned, I I've been having a lot of cramping issues coming off of the bike onto the run. And we I started experimenting more with some electrolytes and uh, caffeine a little bit mm -hmm. um, and still haven't figured it out. I know he, Brad's talked to me about going to Boulder and getting the sweat test done formally so we can yeah, see. Yeah, I was going to mention there that. is so the precision hydration. I've had all my athletes do it. Um, and it's made a big difference because I think yes. they can just dial in and say, okay, like I thought, so I had a, a, somebody do it. I did a, a manual test, right? And I was prescribed oh. at 1700 milligrams an hour. Well, when I did the actual okay. test, it ends up that I'm at 650. So I was taking in a thousand. <laughs> so just crazy. But I didn't have any, like my, I have a steel stomach, like no stomach issues, right. nothing. Like I'm just taking it all in, right? But I'm bloated like a whale when the race is over. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how did I even do that? Right. So, right. And that's kind of what exactly What's that? Sorry. And that's, no, I was going to say, that's kind of the same, similar story to me. I, I was kind of low on the low end initially yeah. taking in very little, um, electrolyte. And then I bumped that up to about a thousand milligrams, mm -hmm. seeing if that was the difference. And I thought I noticed something. So that's what I stuck with. Um, and that was my plan for, for Florida was 90 grams an hour, a thousand milligrams of sodium, and then, um, a couple hundred milligrams of caffeine throughout the run. But when I started, when I started having all those issues immediately in T2 and out on the run, I was like, Oh, well, maybe I'm, maybe it's a salt problem. So at every aid station, like I was doing like all electrolyte, all mm -hmm. like anything. Um, 
which I'm not sure was correct. So, and, and again, we just need to figure that out. Um, but anyway, so had, yeah, had built my way up to 90 grams an hour. That's kind of what we did. Um, in hindsight, looking at my equipment and my wife has noticed this anecdotally, you know, there's been multiple races where I've come out finished and I'm like just caked in salt. So you need more. This time around, she's like, you were one of the few people that didn't have caked salt on your, on your kit, but your, my calves did like, I should, I should have sent you a picture. Uh, Maybe I'll send it after we're done. But my calves were literally just white circles it was like the most bizarre thing and i was like well is that from coming out of the ocean because i wore my calf sleeves under my wetsuit like i still don't really know and i think there's a lot of i think nutritional things that could be dialed in specifically that'll probably result in some pretty significant uh performance gains because if i if i don't have cramping issues on the run I mean, I'm going to start running under 120 for the 70.3. I'm going to probably easily go under 310 um, for the marathon. Um, it's really like this neuromuscular fatigue and cramping that I really just end up slowing my pace down because I'm nervous that the next step yeah. is going to send me into total failure. Right. So, right. So, what were your, um, what were some of your marathon times, your better marathon times? Just like your open um, times. So, my. Time. Yeah, so to get into Boston, you have to run under 305. Um, I ran Philadelphia. My first marathon was uh, Philadelphia in, when was that? In 2008. So a a year out of uh, college, and I ran, what did I run there? I think I ran 246 or 245. No, that's not true. 253. I don't know. I ran ran under three, um, qualified for Boston, and then ran – I didn't go, though, because I ended up going to medical school and having all, having all these other things. So then I came back to Philly. I actually went to medical school in – or, sorry, residency in Philadelphia, trained through residency, and my goal was – I was like, I'm going to go under 240. Like, that's my goal. And I ran two hours. 40 minutes in zero seconds. So it was an absolute heartbreaker not to go under. I mean, they must have rounded the time up. That's what I keep telling myself that I ran 359, (laughs) you know, 59.9, and they just rounded it up to 240. Um, So that was in 2012. And then I did go to Boston. Um, I used that time to go to Boston in 2014, um, which was the year after the bombing. Mm-hmm. And it was a, an absolute magical day. Like the weather could not have been any perfect. It was just a perfect New England, like spring day. You didn't have um, that headwind all the way into town. Had a hop in. Yeah. Everybody was just like so excited to have the, the marathon back again the year after yeah. the bombing. Yeah. Just the energy was unreal. And I honestly, I had a magical day. Like I, w- I wasn't in the best shape and I ran. 243 in my first time at Boston and just it was the coolest experience I'll, I'll never forget it um, and actually happened to run into some of my college teammates and they also had like everybody I think everybody on the course that day had a monster PR there was just some some energy there that you know carried through everybody it was it was awesome um, and so then I 
use that time to go back in 2015, which was horrifically miserable. It was headwind the entire way, 40 degrees, raining. It was just the most uncomfortable time in sport I had ever had. And I never wanted to get out of a race more than on that day. It was, it was horrible. I remember finishing, day? literally shaking. What's that? Is that the year Des Linden won? Yes. Yeah, it yeah. was. The sideways yep. rain. She was running like in almost in a parka. Uh, yeah, the whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Um, I remember crossing the finish line, just essentially shaking out of my clothes. I was so cold. And I, and I grabbed my bag and I just sat in a porta potty because I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't find my family. I was freezing to death. Um, and I just sat there in the little thermal blanket in a porta potty <laughs> trying to warm up. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think I ran two, I don't know, maybe 253 that day. Um, and I haven't been back since, but I want to, um, I think I'm going to do the Steamboat Marathon this year in June, try to get another Boston qualifier because a couple of my buddies um, have had qualifiers at New York this past, this past mm -hmm. New York, and they're going to go for, for their first time. It'd be nice to go, to go with them um, and kind of yeah, do some bucket list for racing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for everything. This was a really good uh, interview and I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us. Um, anything yeah. else you want to add and any goals for next year? Um, I don't know. I think I was talking to Brad a little bit and we might transition away from kind of the longer distance stuff. I'm curious to see what I can do in some shorter distance things. And maybe since running, running's my jam, maybe do some more duathlon sort of stuff. Um, I really have I have such a hang up with the swimming that um as much as as much as I know there's improvements to be had that are probably pretty pretty easy um I just the time sucked going to and from the pool this like the coordination with the boys and my wife and and everything is is always so challenging that those are the easy workouts to either cut short or kind of keep pushing off and I hate yeah. doing that um, so maybe I, I'll focus on my, my strengths a little bit, but still, still go to the pool. I think, um, with Boulder, you know, being, being local, I don't think I can pass that up. So I'll probably do that. Right. And then, like I'd mentioned the, um, steamboat, steamboat marathon, maybe a couple shorter, shorter triathlons for, which would probably qualify for age group nationals. I think the little foot triathlon, um, yeah. has a new date this year. Yeah. Um, I've always done the barking dog duathlon, which I haven't, I heard they're having to reschedule that. So they're doing it once this year. Do some more races. Yeah. They've moved a lot of things. Mm, yeah. Darren's, Darren's cut back on some races. Cool. Oh, okay. right. thanks, for, thanks for having, coming on. And I uh, really appreciate the conversation. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Trust the Process. If you have a question on anything related to triathlon, please send me an email at mike at d3multisport.com. We'd love to hear from you. Make it a great day.